Hello and welcome back to But Where Are You From? A podcast about being British-born East and Southeast Asian, not just Chinese. What an evolution this podcast has been. I mean, it's more so about identity and exploring identity and talking about that kind of stuff. So it's not even really about being Asian, but it's just hosted by someone who is Chinese. Um, I hope you're all doing well. I have had an all right week, really. It's been a bit up and down, but nothing out of the ordinary at all. Um, It's my 30th birthday coming up next Sunday, so the 14th of February. So if you want to donate anything in terms of my birthday, please donate to Be Seen. 100% of the proceeds from my coffee.com page goes towards Be Seen and it funds our advocacy work. So if you fancy sending me a little uh, birthday coffee, head to ko-fi.com forward slash it's Vivyao, where 100% of the proceeds goes towards funding our advocacy work. This episode is such a lovely, lovely chat with my two friends, Amy and Isabel. Uh, They are co-founders of Be Seen. Uh, We were meant to have this chat a while back, but then I stopped the series and then hadn't picked it up until now. So I'm very grateful to them both. I learned a lot about both of them, actually, despite the fact that we talk every single day. But there was stuff about identity and past experiences that I hadn't ever heard before. So it was really nice to have a natter. We had a laugh. We talked about, of course, the BC work, the WhatsApp group that we're in, um, our experiences and identity and everything else. And it was just such a lovely natural chat. So I hope you enjoy. Um, if you have any questions, you want to send me a message, I'm at It's Viv Yao on Instagram. Enjoy! <laughs> Hi, Izzy and Amy. (laughs) Hello. Hello, how are you? (laughs) I'm well, thank you. How are you both? Yeah, not too bad. Saturday morning, feeling good. (laughs) Yeah, I'm very good as well. Thank you for having us. What are we both out of 10 today, mood-wise? I was saying earlier, I think I'm a 7 out of 10, because I actually slept. (laughs) Nice, nice. What about you, Amy? Same. Yeah, I'm probably around, uh, yeah, I think I've gone from a 7.5 to an 8. Um, oh. Yeah, I don't usually have stuff to do on Saturday, so it's nice to, like, have something that's been planned out and mm, can chat with yeah. mates. Yay, yeah. chat with mates. So do you both want to introduce yourselves, your names, where you, you came from? <laughs> big question. The big question. Um, yeah. My name is Amy Fung. I'm a graphic designer, illustrator, and Be Seen co-founder. Um, and I'm Isabel. I'm a teacher since not too long ago, and also a Be Seen co-founder. Yay! We're all Be Seen co-founders because it's been <laughs> it's been a while since we've been trying to arrange this because we've obviously we've spoken with Mayan and Charlie and Carly, and then we've been waiting for you both to come on, uh, basically waiting for me to pull my finger out to organise this <laughs> this session. So thank you very much for coming on. Really, really excited to have you both on for a chat. Um, so in terms of that question then, but where are you from? How do you usually answer that? And what are your feelings around that question itself? It changed. I think for me, it's changed through time. Like, and it really depends who you speak to, I guess. Like if it's someone who, you know, I can see would understand quickly if I was like, oh, I'm British born Chinese because I feel like I know that they are or aware, then yeah, that's what I say. But in general, obviously it mostly comes from strangers. Um, I know always, I 
it sets my defenses up I think because mm. I'm ready to be like oh am I going to get the judgments what is your perception of what I'm going to say why is there even a value judgment based on that why is it necessary mm. uh, so there are hundreds of thoughts running through your head mm-hmm. um, so yeah it's an awkward one isn't it mm. yeah I think I feel defensive as well and then if it as you said Amy it depends on the person and if I think that person isn't asking it with an open mind I guess I I'm just my first answer is always I'm from London and that's all I say and I wait for them to like ask their next question (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're literally like preempting it before it even happens yeah it is so funny because you do have all these thoughts running through your head and I used to get so confused and almost apologetic about my answer like oh sorry you meant like where am I from from and then I almost have to placate them even though like we don't but they're being inquisitive in the first place and we have to kind of satiate their curiosity mm, um yeah. it's a confusing question isn't it mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, the same, I'm the same as you izzy in that i deliberately say i'm from london yeah. first because i want mm. to check yeah. them i want yeah. to be like i know what you mean and i'm gonna <laughs> give you the answer which i know you're not hoping for because i want to make a yeah point. exactly mm. and we've talked quite a lot about identity because um we all come from different despite the fact that we're all ethnically Chinese we we all come from different places and we all identify with home in very different ways as well do you guys want to talk a bit about that in terms of like your feelings around home and your your heritage yeah so I guess I'll give the background first so my parents are Chinese uh from Guiling um and they moved to Paris in the 80s so that's where I was born and grew up until the age of nine which is when we moved to London for my dad's job um and so I think firstly, like when I first moved to London, I felt really French. Um, but as the years went on, I felt less and less French and less connected to that French side. But I still wouldn't call myself English. And it's not because I don't want to, but I just, I think I just have that part of me that doesn't feel uh, fully British. Um, but obviously because of my accent, that's all people hear and kind of assume that I am English, um, including, for example, when I went to uni in Edinburgh, and uh, I did a year abroad in California. Obviously, people's first thoughts is that I'm fully English. Um, so I guess like that's a bit of a blur for me um, in terms of French versus English. And then um, I think in terms of my Chinese identity, um, growing up, I did engage with the Chinese culture quite a lot. So like I went to Chinese school and I really engaged with it. I would do things like w- watch Chinese dramas and I love the Chinese food. We had quite a lot of like Chinese family friends. But I think um, as we've kind of talked about, I think part of me, like when I was younger, also tried to assimilate with maybe the white, white identity, like white culture. Um, and I think all the way until uni, um, including in Edinburgh, where I felt like people were maybe, maybe a little bit less open-minded than in London. And a lot of the students were white as well. So I think I kind of tried to just, I don't know, I guess I didn't embrace my my Chinese side as much when I was at uni. But then the the turning point was going to California where like the Asian American community is so huge. And it almost felt like the Asian community was like dominant in, um, in Berkeley, which is where I went. Um, and I think just seeing like being surrounded by so many EC people and seeing them like really embrace their cultures and love love who they were um I think really changed like how I saw myself um I think coming back to Edinburgh was then a shock to then be surrounded again by white people 
Um, so it's been quite quite a change over the years, I guess. Um, so I think I've mm. really come to like embrace my my um, identity a lot more. Um, mm. But I think sometimes there's still a conflict between like what we've grown up with and I guess like our, my history, um, like history of being Chinese. And I think maybe that's like a journey of unlearning um, that I'm still on. Mm. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think people tend to, when they ask that question, they want to fit you in a box, don't they? <clears throat> and they want to be able to go, oh, you're from Warrington, for example. Um, and when you kind of start to unpack that, they're like, wait, I can't place you. Like, we want to we want to associate you with somewhere because it's very easy to do that. Um, but I think it's it starts by having those conversations because certainly had you not kind of explained your um your background your history beforehand i totally i would have done the same thing i would have assumed that you were english based off your accent alone i would have assumed you were british born chinese like me mm. and actually it's once you start to unpack that it really reminds us that we don't all come from the same type of background mm. essentially yeah. and what about yourself amy yeah so i would identify as british born chinese and i always have um, it's funny being part of this community and talking to so many more people online who are for, on different paths of lives, um, sometimes intersecting with mine and sometimes not, because um, when I talk about the fact that my family were boat people and so my parents were born and grew up in Vietnam, so did my older siblings, um, when I told people about that, mm. Uh, I had someone come back to me saying, well, that means you're Viet Hoa, mm -hmm. um, which I was just like, oh, I guess I am, maybe, <laughs> am I? And I had to think about it. And it really, yeah. it really puzzled me because even at my grand old age, I was still <laughs> discovering stuff about myself, still having revelations. <laughs> um, and then <laughs> when I had a good think about it, I was like, actually, I'm not because mm. I, I wasn't born or grew up in Vietnam, although a majority of my family were like my parents and my older siblings and it influenced me growing up but I'm still British born Chinese and it really makes me think about that term when people say we're not a monolith no one's a monolith and mm. I'm not even the same as the members of my family let alone mm -hmm. um, the next Chinese person living down the street the next EC person in the next town mm. like, even with a my family there are differences and it really blew my mind like literally the other day I was making tea and it like popped into my head. It's like I'm not I'm not <laughs> British, I'm British or Chinese oh my goodness yeah yeah and, yeah that's I love. yeah that's what I love about these conversations mm. I've been having oh my god I need to address stuff I don't know about myself yeah, yeah that's so interesting that that person kind of like labeled you as that so just just to explain to the listeners who because I only discovered this term from talking with you guys Viet Hoa what does that mean so yeah like I say I'm still learning myself <laughs> so uh, please take this as, as a jumping off point rather than <laughs> you know, a canon of what it is mm. but um yes yeah, so my parents their parents fled from China my parents were born in Vietnam. They had kids. They're ethnically Chinese. And I, I believe most of the Chinese who are in northern Vietnam descended from Han people. Mm. Um, again, that might not be across the board. Mm. And then, uh, yes, yeah, so I, I believe my parents lived in a very much Chinese community. They spoke Cantonese, um, had a lot of Chinese customs, which passed on to me growing up in the UK. And then, um, yeah. A uh, big social uh, global upheaval happened um, where the Chinese people in Vietnam, as well as Vietnamese, were forced to flee mm. due to conflict and then uh, came over to UK. And that's what happened with the boat people. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, that term, Viet Hoa, applies to people who are ethnically Chinese, but 
uh, grew up in Vietnam. Oh, thank you for that. I mean, that was a really great jumping off point. <laughs> like, I've just learned loads there <laughs> that I didn't know beforehand. So thank you. And yeah, even like when, when you said that about like you and your family and how you all don't identify uh, uh, as the same way even just thinking about my older sister she wasn't actually born in the UK she, she's technically not British born Chinese she was born in Hong Kong and I totally forgot that because I just I assumed she was British born Chinese but actually she she lived in Hong Kong up until she was one years old and then came over to to the UK with my mum um so it's a, it's a really important reminder I think for all of us to just to not make those assumptions <laughs> even to your own family yeah as well yeah Yeah. even uh, my older sister one time she picked up the phone and obviously it was someone looking for my mum because my parents have a mix of Vietnamese and Chinese friends and my sister who um, is much older than me I've always spoken either Cantonese or English to her she started speaking Vietnamese and I was like my head just went what what's going on it was such a cognitive dissonance of like this is not how I've ever seen you mm. and then it brought it back to me like oh my gosh of course you grew up in Vietnam till you were whatever what 10 or 11 right. and yeah it blew my mind yeah that's so interesting because that, that your sister can speak a whole other language that I guess like you can you can you speak it or understand Vietnamese at all no 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 yeah so sad so sad Aww. about it <laughs> <laughs> that, that is hard though isn't it? language and I think um that's something that I'm like really wanting to try to explore now as the next stage of my Chineseness um, is uh, like speaking to speaking to Carly Wu, who identifies very strongly as both Hakka and Cantonese. I am both Hakka. Well, actually, her, both of her parents are Hakka um, and my dad is Hakka, but I've never, ever identified with being a Hakka person at all. And it's only recently when like Carly has been speaking Hakka, I was like, shit, I can understand you. What the heck is this? <laughs> never knew that like I never really like thought about it before and like that's now something that like I'm trying to embrace more in my own identity as well do you want to tell us a a fun fact about yourselves that the (laughs) listeners may not know you go Izzy (laughs) I was thinking about this yesterday um I think maybe I could say that um I did Tang Sudo for four years at school which is a Korean martial art um and I think that physical strength is still ingrained in me because like when I give life I shake people's hands they always say um, handshake Today. <laughs> yeah uh. I, think I, just, I do it like subconsciously um but yeah <laughs> that's so <laughs> yeah. cool <laughs> yeah it was really fun uh, I really enjoyed it and I I made a lot of friendships through it as well mm. and um learned how to count in Korean <laughs> through it oh my gosh yeah. that is an awesome fact that is so cool. So do you, do you can do you feel like you can still practice that now? That whole martial arts. Mm, probably not. Like when I was thinking about this, what fact to give, I kind of like looked into it again on the internet, and mm. it was good to like have those memories. But I don't think I could remember like how to do the moves. But um, I think it maybe gives me a level of like maybe security when I'm out mm. at night, for example, because I know I can maybe defend myself to some degree. Mm. <laughs> but, yeah. As um, someone ever asked you but where are you from? And then you've had to shake their hand, but you've given it like that extra, like, uh, <laughs> extra I think I, I do like maybe shake. Yeah, maybe so, like subconsciously, I tend to shake men's hands like a bit yeah. more firmly to give that impression that I'm not just this like 
Yeah, I don't know. I do that. I do that as well, especially in like um, networking events and stuff like that. I feel like you almost need to make a point of doing that to make an impression that like you can't, you can't, you can't dominate me. Yeah. Man. (laughs) (laughs) It is funny, but it is like, you know, when I don't know whether you've ever experienced a very limp handshake from (laughs) a a man. Oh, God. And I'm so sorry, but like it really puts me off, like a limp handshake. Limp and damp. Oh, when it's the oh, <laughs> I still remember I shook this man's hand and I remember exactly where I was. It was at this like ball thing and he was a lord. He was a, it was like some weird, my ex-boyfriend's like really posh parents who hosted this, I don't know what it was. I was just there in a dress like, what the hell is this? And I remember shaking this law's hand and it was literally like, he's flopped oh. it over my hand. And I was like, yeah. ew, that is so <laughs> gross. <laughs> really put but me it off it stays with you doesn't it mm-hmm. it's like a really like horrible sensation and it really um colors your perception of someone doesn't it like it does. i remember this forever it does. a little limp wet handshake yeah <laughs> so i wanted to talk a bit about the advocacy work that we are doing at bcm because i feel like we have all had varying experiences ourselves from it and the way that we have the way that we have related to to the experience of growing bc and has all been quite different um so it'd be great to hear like the past so when do we start september like we started talking about august and then we kind of launched in september how have you both found um the work that we're doing how has it impacted you as a person in good and bad i think it's really helped me to grow i think it's really helped me to gain more knowledge um check myself a lot more make me think um a lot more intersectionally about things i think i used to have a very narrow view of Mm. life i used to think oh i'm so different because i'm british born chinese but actually there are so many different um perceptions and ways that I'm viewed and how I viewed other people, which has been problematic too. Mm. And it's made me address uh, the way I see myself and the way I should approach other people. And um, I used to think I was really liberal and really woke and know things, but I didn't. (laughs) I knew nothing until I got into the scene and then I got super checked in a very good way, in a very caring way, in a calling in way. And uh, that's helped me grow, I think. Yeah, I think that's really important, isn't it? To check yourself before you yeah. check other people. And <laughs> yeah. that's been a big learning for me as well. Like, especially, mm. I guess, the way we call things out. Like, we, I think we all have very different approaches to that. Especially when we think about, for example, um, like Chef Philly, for example, um, the master chef woman who was um appropriating asian food she was she called herself an expert in asian food and like the approaches that i think we took was very different like amy i know like you you tend to and you tend to try to like open up that conversation i feel like in your approach to um problematic people (laughs) Um, yeah i mean one of the things that i learned recently is you know um the difference between calling out and calling in so when you call out you are, you know, how dare you do this? And, you know, you're trying to publicly not shame them, but show them up maybe and mm. get them to address 
what's wrong, whereas calling in is where you consider that they're human and you give them a chance to address it because you're aware that everyone makes mistakes, uh, same as you, me, everyone in this chat, you know, mm -hmm. we're capable of saying something by mistake and saying, okay, I know that as a human also, you know, there's a chance for you to improve. So it's caring about someone, um, you know, mm. hey, Philly, let's be friends, <laughs> have a conversation. So it's always giving them that chance, you know, to explain themselves. So I remember the first thing I said was, so, so why, why are you using that phrase? Why, why the dirty food? Mm. And then the ball is in then her court, like, how are you mm. going to react? Mm. And obviously the reaction was <laughs> predictable, you know, mm -hmm. blocked and limited comments and, mm -hmm. you know, totally denying it. And that's when you're like, okay, okay, now yeah. what are the next step? Mm. Because you have a platform, you have a responsibility. <laughs> so you're not mates then with Sheffield, you know, <laughs> not Bezzies. <laughs> Well, we have to talk about that, don't we? Because there is that thing that happens where when after you call them in and there's a bit of a hoo-ha that has happened because it's become public and very much shared. Mm. What about yourself, Izzy? How have you found the advocacy work that we're doing? Um, so I guess um, I was going to say, I found it really nice to see the EC community grow in Britain. Um, uh, around the work that BCN is doing. And I think like from what's happened with Black Lives Matter and I guess the growing of BCN, I think I've, like Amy, I've had to check myself quite a lot and be unlearning quite a lot. And um, like, as Amy said, also just finding out the different um, perspectives, even within the EC um, community. <clears throat> like, I think speaking to my own um, in the group is really helpful because it takes me away from just thinking like in terms of East Asian cultures. Um, and um, yeah, so I found that really helpful and I guess opening my mind um, to other perspectives. And in terms of kind of calling in versus calling out, I think I tend to go for calling in, I guess, privately first. And I think maybe that's just from like my work as a teacher, just having mm. that conversation first and kind of assuming that maybe they're doing it not on purpose, like just giving them the benefit of the doubt or they're not doing it. Um, they're doing it from a place of ignorance, like they, they don't know something and maybe it's my, well, it's not my job, but maybe there's like a chance for them to be educated. But then obviously it doesn't always go that way. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah, the the amount of like patience that we offer people, the amount of allowances mm. that we we offer people, is just so incredible. <laughs> time and time again, every week it seems like at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I think I have learnt from everyone at BC as well that I am very reactionary. I'm very quick to react to things, and there's there's pros and cons to that. You know, you can start a conversation, but at the same time, I think like I have definitely I'm learning to try to call in rather than call out. And I'm still even actually yesterday I I tr try my best, but then at the same time when we see the pattern of white people and you just know how it's going to play out. It's literally like play by play of mm, yeah. they get defensive, they start blocking, they give like a half-assed apology. Sorry if I offended yeah, you. I thought yeah. I was doing a good thing for you. I was helping you. I was saving you from, <laughs> from um, your struggles and everything else, all the excuses. And like, 
I do think like there is definitely room for both in depending yeah. on the context where um, you extend that generosity to call them in and educate them. And equally, there is a, a space for addressing and, and keeping it to the issues at hand rather than making it and vilifying that person for their character. But just like these are the issues we need to raise this and, and try to bring it back to like the systemic issues rather than that individual person, but still trying to find a balance of both. But yeah, trying, I think learning from everyone at BC has been, has been great for me to do that because it really does help me check myself to be like, actually, yes, they are human. They made a mistake. Let's, let's give them that allowance. And if they fuck up again, then okay, that's it. P45, as, as Liz from um, the Black Nursing Manager <laughs> has said. It. Yeah, give them the P45. Yeah. Mm. I've also yeah. found them grow more resilient to it the more you do it. Mm. So the yeah. first time, I can't remember, I think it was someone, um, an ex-colleague posted on their Facebook something that was sinophobic. Mm. Um, he said that my phone's been hacked, probably Chinese hackers. Oh. Um, his, yeah, his status. And I was just like, oh, I don't like that. And you know what? In the past, I would have just left it. Mm. I would have not said anything. Yeah. But because mm. um, I had the BC gals behind me, I was just like, oh, I'm going to say something. Because mm-hmm. you know what? We're not even great friends. We're acquaintances. Yeah. So I, I did the calling in, private message, explained everything, a lot of emotional labor. <laughs> and mm. then what did he do? He blocked me. And then, you know, that reaction, you know, I was really like... <gasps> Uh, you know really down I was really upset I'd put in a lot of effort I was hoping you know Mm. as a I used to work with you you work you know me you know I was hoping he'd learn and appreciate but obviously it wasn't there and you know the first time it's hard but then the more you do it the easier it becomes because then you're like I really don't care what people think anymore because I know it's the right thing to do Mm -hmm. and I'm doing it in a way to show that I care about you, that I believe that you can grow. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously, as you said, Liv, the same thing happens over and over again, the blocking, the denying, the fragility, the tears. And the more it happens, the more, you know, we message each other afterwards. We're like, guess what the reply was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you can predict what happens. Um, it becomes easier to deal with it, to be able to um, put up boundaries, know when when you're spending too much energy, when it's right to let it go or when mm. it's right to carry on and help. So yeah, I do feel like it's been a growth for me in terms of feeling more confident, being able to speak up because I've done it so many times now mm. that you know, it's it's easier. It's, it's just it's so you can do it in your sleep. Yeah. It's not fun. It's not fun. It's not I don't fun. enjoy it. No. I'm not looking to do it. But mm. if I see it happen, it's not possible for me to stay silent yeah. because mm. the alternative is so much worse not saying something you know yeah it's definitely helpful to have others doing the same thing because I think if I was doing it alone it would be so much more draining mm-hmm. and it's interesting how Viv you say that you're trying to not react so much but I think I'm the opposite I'm like trying to react more um, <laughs> I think Beastine has like really helped me unleash like the anger that maybe, yeah. that maybe previously I wouldn't yeah wouldn't dare to um mm. so I think yeah even though I say I try to give people the benefit of the doubt sometimes I am too forgiving and I think BC has helped me uh call uh what's the keep people to account is that mm. the phrase yeah mm. 
Yeah, I know. I feel I feel like there there is like white people have this like template or something of how not to apologize, <laughs> and they they've got yeah. it right ready. <laughs> yeah. Block, delete, erase comments. Um, get defensive. Mm. Just spotlight people who are supporting them. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think it's really good to hear that actually, because it does make me feel validated that like actually my response is is you know just and fair as well um yeah. and we, we can't there's no there's there is no um textbook to how we should deal with these things as long as we know that we are doing it in a way that we're doing the right thing essentially I, I feel like I enjoyed in a way living in ignorant bliss before we started kind of calling out you know we're calling out big corporations we call out the cabinet mm. office in the in in the meeting with them like we are not working with like just individuals we are mm going against the big dogs in this um <laughs> which has resulted in for me multiple cold sores migraines breakdowns <laughs> as well as the solidarity that i experience within the community um so it is like such a hard balance of both mm. like when do you find that time to be like actually i'm gonna put this to bed now and look after myself and yeah. just yeah. not even give them the time of the day it's it's a tricky one it's certainly a tricky one yeah no it's mm. you do some meditation don't you yeah i um i actually during lockdown me and my sister would zoom call each other and we would meditate together which has oh. really like helped me keep it regular um yeah. but i think yeah i started meditating a few years ago and i don't always do it regularly but it does help um kind of clear the mind um don't know if you guys have tried it mm. I can't do it. I can't. <laughs> can't do it. My got, mind. Is yeah. I've, I've done so many. You know the Headspace app. Yeah, yeah. And where they guide you, even with guidance, I'm struggling because <laughs> I'm literally thinking about what's for dinner, mm. uh, what's my daughter up to, what mm. am I doing tomorrow? Yeah. How yeah. do you this on? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you've got a family as well mm. i think i think um i i do try to just breathe and i guess it's, mm. it's yeah i just sit there and just like <sighs> i feel like i've not breathed today you know taking really really deep breaths so i try to do that, that sometimes and then i just um i think doing stuff like this like the podcast stuff for me mm. it is like from really relaxing it's a safe space it's a really validating space and it is like a form of therapy where i just mm. chat <laughs> Blah, 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 just offload to whoever's listening um how how do you think then it has impacted you know work personal life friendships emotional mental health like um how do you think how do you think you yeah has it affected any personal relationships of yours at all yeah big time big time um i think the way i've seen it is um what Izzy has highlighted is um, with the Black Lives Matter movement is then I started delving into learning about certain things about the model minority myth and it really puts a different lens on your eyes that's how I see it I used to live life with a different lens um, like how how can I use that metaphor like sunglasses like things were blocked out that I didn't really acknowledge because I was living a very comfortable, fine life. And then when the pandemic happened, you realize that actually that wasn't the reality. We were living, well, I certainly was living in a life where I let a lot of things go because I wanted to harmonize. So microaggressions that I encountered from even good friends, people I considered close to me, uh, actually I came to realize really damaging for me. 
And so now when I see it happen, say when you guys talk about certain stories um, that have happened in your past and I can relate, or when we see things in the news, I'm like, you know what, I would have let it go, but now I realize it's not, mm. it's not right. And I see things so differently now, yeah. especially I think with a daughter, um, the way that the society is influencing the way she sees herself and is affecting her identity. I see history repeating itself, you know, mm. when I used to assimilate quite a lot, I can see it already happening with her. She's only three mm. and the language she uses and the things she does and things from books and shows are very much um, a narrative which is about having white as a norm. Mm. And now that I can see that, um, it's really changed my perception of things and made me question a lot, question um, people I know, like, you know, can you see the same way I do now? And when they don't see quite the same, when they still have a different lens on, that's where that antagonism can come in. Totally. So would you say those sunglasses were blocking out the racism? <laughs> <That's> just... <laughs> <laughs> I was literally just waiting to say that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> shit joke stop laughing because it wasn't that funny just in case you didn't get the pun there yeah yeah um, like, <laughs> in all seriousness exactly, yeah. <laughs> I, I know exactly what you mean though by that and, and i'm sure like um you know, with with a daughter involved, like you with seeing how your daughter relates to the world, it must be really scary because there's only so much as a parent that you can actually control of that. Um, and you're doing the best you can uh, in terms of yeah. the fact that you are aware of what's going on. Like I think even even like a lot of my um, people that I know who do have um, children who are mixed identity, like they they wouldn't even. Ha- be aware that they're having those conversations about identity at the age of three years old. And I think the fact that you, you are mm. so cognizant of that yeah. is such a great starting point. Like you're already doing so much with her, um, with mm-hmm. your daughter. Um, but yeah, I think same, same with me as well. Like I do kind of, in a way, like I still had those sunglasses on um, and was unaware of stuff going on. Imagine, imagine if you could just put on your sunglasses and be like, oh shit, yeah, the world is great. Imagine if there was something made like that and you just blocked it all out. But yeah, yeah, you're right. It's um, once, once you are aware, it does really impact personal relationships. What about yourself, Izzy? Have you found that at all? Um, I think personal relationships haven't been impacted so much, maybe more so over Black Lives Matter, um, just people maybe mm, not being mm-hmm. open to those com- conversations. Yeah. Um, I think personally also I was living with sunglasses and like you said, <laughs> like ignorant bliss a little bit. I think I always was aware of racism, but I think last year really like opened uh, my eyes a lot more to it yeah. um, especially like the struggles of the black community I think mm. I didn't realize just how systemic and like deep rooted it is um, and I think it's been really great to work in BC because like you said we are so intersectional and I think we try to have compassion for different communities um, not just sort of rooting for the EC community mm. um, and I think Although like I'm really enjoying learning at the same time, it is like always on my mind and sometimes it is hard to switch off from like always reflecting on these things um, and unlearning. So 
I guess maybe that's just part of the work of being uh, an advocate. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I went through the same journey. I remember... um, listening i used i sometimes voice note voice note myself when i when i <laughs> when I, I just want to have an outlet and i don't put it on the podcast this is personal voice notes it's so weird i know i actually just do the want... same thing though do you <laughs> yeah okay, good i'm glad yeah. amy do you <laughs> Uh, no, no. <laughs> you don't I have don't, time don't to do myself. You don't chat. <laughs> I do this all the time. I chat in the shower when I'm walking around. And like, I remember during Black Lives Matter, <laughs> I know. I remember like crying on a voice note to myself because of that, the stark reality of what was going on in the world and those difficulties and conversations that I was having with people. And like, it really has been such a. Uh, a turning point in terms of like Black Lives Matter was absolutely the catalyst for me discovering m- my own voice within this entire racial justice movement um, and like looking back and how much it affected me as a as a person of colour like I do I do think like oh maybe then I should offer extend some sympathy to white people because they are comp- they have been completely oblivious the entire time like Amy I know you sent me you sent a um IGTV of, of um a black woman who um agreed with uh, the the book white white fragility by Rachel what's her surname can't Rachel um Robin D'Angelo Robin D'Angelo yeah I just made up yeah Robin D'Angelo <laughs> um and how she's a white woman was profiting from black death and and she was saying actually like it did make her have more sympathy for white people and more patience for white people because they have been in this structure for so long they were completely unaware of issues that were happening systemic issues that were happening obviously because they benefited from it the most and so like I'm trying to have more empathy for, for I'm trying so hard. <laughs> so hard. Uh, but it's just like, you know, that whole like double consciousness thing of like trying to always put ourselves in the shoes of white people yeah. because we've been so used to assimilating our entire lives. I'm just going off on a tangent here now. I don't really know the point. No, it's, it's actually remind me of this um, moment um, that I will always stay with me, I think, in terms of what we're talking about now. Um, I don't know if you guys remember a while back, um, it was before George Floyd, but there was a video that came out of a a woman called Amy Cooper, who was basically uh, pretending that a black man who was just um, telling her about the rules of Central Park uh, to leash her dog, Mm. and she did a fake phone call um, to the police to get them to come. Um, So weaponizing, you know, her whiteness mm. and um I remember showing that to someone who was white because I was outraged I was mm. like you know of course I shouldn't have been outraged I should have known that this is very common but because I was had my sunglasses on <laughs> I was like can you believe this happened yeah and then the white person was like yeah it sucks yeah it's horrible yeah it's really bad but they didn't have the same level of mm. realizing that it was a racial issue they just thought that woman is a bad person that's Mm. it in isolation Mm. but they didn't see the deeper level of how I saw it which Mm. was clearly it was about race Mm. and then that's the moment where I was like my head just went bush you know because I was just like wow we have such a difference of perception with this where I can read that it's clearly um showing something that's very endemic and very damaging Mm. whereas 
they just saw it as yeah it's one bad person I just want to sorry I want to get on with my day because mm. that's sucky news but I, I got I've got to get on with my life and that's where I came to realize that there's a difference you know mm. there's someone who is living a you know comfortable life probably doesn't pick up on these things as much and um that's the moment where I thought right you know yeah. that I need to address this there's something mm. that needs to change mm. because it's those kinds of attitudes that allow it to continue you know when you can ignore it and not acknowledge it for what it is um and that's made me do more research and do so much more learning I think mm. Yeah, it's um that particular situation, like that woman knew at that point exactly what she was doing because she didn't she describe him as African American man, um mm. and and using his skin colour against him in, in that way, as a white woman crying for help, she knew that the the police would respond to that and, and be able to make those racial profiles in their own head to to assume that she is in danger and and make her be believed. Um yeah, and, and the fact that the, the friend didn't see that as an issue and just, well, did see it as an issue, but didn't realise it was a systemic issue that's been going mm. on um, and targeting particularly black communities. It's, it's just, yeah, I mean, and that's something that I've had to learn about myself as well, because obviously I think, I, I know that I would never be stopped in the mm, street yeah. by a policeman um for the color of my skin and all mm. followed around in a shop for example and like uh, having learned that this is like obviously something that very much exists like when black lives matter movement started i was just like whoa like mm. i understand that we all have we we have a certain degree of privilege mm. but this affects us all like this this movement affects all of us i know we mentioned about meditation how else do you find hashtag ec joy in this world um yeah i guess it's harder in this time because we're obviously very isolated there's lockdown and there's not much we can do because of uh, the, the lack of freedom but i think um as you guys know i have a daughter and she lives in her own little world she's so innocent she has no idea what's going on <laughs> her biggest worry is like uh don't flush a toilet it's too loud she's scared of toilet flushes <laughs> oh, <that's... laughs> valid so we have to I know, very valid, scary. <laughs> uh, so, you know, because I have to enter her little world um, basically most of the day, mm. it really takes my mind off things. Like you have to go onto their level and forget about worries because um, I need to ensure that she is happy and gets on with her day happily. And that means I have to be happy too. Mm. I can't mm. be... Um, if I'm really sad about something or something's getting me down, I can't dwell on it because I don't feel like I can then um, fully engage with her properly. Mm. So I had to learn to pick myself up much quicker mm. and uh, to be able to, you know, be able to play with her properly and look mm. after her. I remember um, my friend once said to me, um, you're only as happy as your saddest child. Oh. And oh. By, that she, by that she means you're as a parent you're mm. affected by how happy your child is so if my daughter's happy i'm happy if my daughter's sad um i'm also sad if i'm happy and my daughter's sad i become sad because mm. you know she will affect my day so mm. i need to ensure that she's happy at all times because we're so connected mm. and so yeah i think looking after my daughter is the way in which 
I pick myself up because that's my that's my job. <laughs> I have to do it. It's my job. I was told that it's just I don't get paid for it, but it's just something I have to do. <laughs> and she does twenty-four hour work, no pay. Happy, <laughs> happy. No leave or anything like that. <laughs> No leave, no nothing, no sick pay. I've got to work yeah. from your sick. Do you remember yeah. there was that video that was going around like, oh, there's this job which is the most, um, the most the hardest job in the world. You don't get a day off at all. You don't get any sick pay. Um, and it was like this whole like viral video, and it's like it's being a parent. <laughs> Do you remember? <laughs> Did you see that? And I was like, shit, yeah, that's what? so true, so true. It is so true. <laughs> and actually, like. Really worth it. Oh, uh, do you know what? Like you, you talking about how you have to pick yourself up so quickly. It makes me realise how lucky I am that I have no one to look after by myself, and I can I can barely do that. Yeah, I, can, <laughs> I feel like I can barely pull myself together <laughs> to just like work and feed myself, clothe myself, wash myself. Mm, yeah. I can't imagine doing that for someone else as well as myself. I was at my parents for Christmas and like towards the last few days I was feeling so sad because I because I remembered oh I have to go back to like look after myself now <laughs> yeah I know like who's gonna cook for me what yeah. <laughs> yeah. food isn't just ready on the table <laughs> I do miss that with my with my mum so much and like because she got really good at cooking over lockdown mm. like she started she's never baked before and then she just like learned how to make like sausage bows and pineapple buns and like so much stuff that we never had in our childhood because she hated baking like it was my dad who was the baker um and then like moving out, I was like, what? I now have to think of what to eat. This is so odd. <laughs> but actually it's made me like learn how to cook stuff that I've never cooked before. I'd never made congee until I moved out. And now yeah. I have it like every week and it's the best thing ever. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, I've got ingredients mm. for like tongyu and stuff like that. <gasps> the, the spice balls, but oh. I would never think to make it, yeah. never. But now I'm like, oh, I guess I have to. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, that's going to be so cute for your daughter to be able yeah. to like make those and enjoy them with her because she's going to remember that. Mm. Izzy, what about yourself then? Like you, you talked about meditation. What else do you do to look after yourself and switch off? Um, so I dance for those of you uh, mm. listeners who don't know, but um, I'm a hip hop dancer, which I started actually in California. Um, yeah. And I've been doing that for quite a few years and during lockdown, I've now started like training by myself, I guess, at home, um, because obviously it's harder now without classes to go to. Mm. Um, and I think sometimes I, before I do it, I always underestimate like how much it's going to help. I think, oh, like, it's not going to help that much, like, to change my mood. But then afterwards, um, it's not just like physical activity, but um, also like self-expression and sort of like like my teacher described it as playtime like you're just playing and um yeah essentially just like playing so I think that's like one form for me and I uh, also I think as much as like work is really tiring and stressful um being in the classroom with the kids is also really joyful for me even mm. though they can give me a headache sometimes <laughs> um <laughs> but I think yeah just engaging with young people who like Amy said maybe they're a bit older obviously but they don't worry about the same things that we do and also they're just so funny and I think being in that space with them is really like takes me out of myself and my my own worries 
Mm, yeah, that's that's really cool to hear. Um, that it's like your job is a form of escapism for you in a sense, as, as difficult as it sounds. Mm. Like I know that mm. you work really long hours, and as teachers, like there's been so much strain on in the uh, education sector recently as well um yeah. but that's that's really nice to hear you, you both do very very productive things I think to to find joy for yourself which is great I feel like all I do is nap when I'm like want to find joy nap and that's eat takeaway it is it is 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 there anything that you'd like to tell um like your past selves pre be seen or, or even pre-covid because I feel like like the two are kind of like linked in a way before I think it was in June so we started the BCN in July didn't we in yeah. June I was like I so I've been trying to do bullet journaling I don't know if you guys know what that is um kind of explain it because I've never done it before <laughs> it's it's really hard to describe I think so you've got like a journal that's got dots so it's really easy for you to like design the pages yourself and I think people get quite arty with it mm. um and it also helps you like be organized and track your habits and things like that um and so I was doing a page where I was like writing out like my dreams for my future mm. and then one of them was like become um like involved in activism for the Asian community and this was like oh a, month, a month before be seen um yeah I know wow. and, um and I just I don't know I could have never imagined that like I would get involved with be seen and so I don't know if that's really answered the question but yeah yeah <laughs> like you manifested it and then it yeah. and then it happened <laughs> yeah you manifest this is all thanks to you izzy no (laughs) (laughs) that bullet journal oh my god that's so cool my um so someone at work so nicole um who i work with was telling me how there's this trend going around on tiktok where um apparently last year on august the 27th there was some kind of like mercury retrograde or something and like w- really strange things happened on that date that was significant uh, like a few months later and like uh, she was saying how someone uh, someone someone remembered that date and then looked back on it a few months later and like something really big happened to them she looked back on that day and she said it was the day that she applied to work at my company and then I just, I'm, I want to look back now on August 27th and, and look at like what, what happened that day to lead to whatever's happened now. But apparently there's this big conspiracy theory going around like about a particular date that like changed things. <laughs> Don't know whether anyone believes in this. Well, what I would tell my myself <laughs> um, is that like you will, you will go through a journey of... Mm of unlearning and learning you will learn to check yourself as well as check other people and mm. that like this will also have a fallout when it comes to your interpersonal relationships and whatnot with with friends and family but ultimately like you will find your confidence in your voice which is something that I had really struggled with before or just hadn't been aware of the fact that you, you can as individuals um and collectively um make change you know like we we are six individuals out of thousands and hundreds of millions of people in the world and yet like look at what we've achieved mm, within yeah. this time like we were putting together a deck recently um to pitch to a, a company and we was like we put down all the logos of the people that we've been like spotlighted by or shared by or worked with and how amazing is that within six months of us growing be seen we've we've worked with the bbc the guardian lol who started all this off um (laughs) 
Amazon Music, the British Library, Cabinet Office, like, whoa, these are these are big names. And we're working with them and we, we have achieved this collectively with our community as well. I think I had someone told me that, like, just even even in like, yeah, early last year, no way would I ever thought that could happen. Mm. What about you, Amy? Yeah, I've certainly felt like um, it's been amazing what we've been able to achieve as a community and being able to help each other with that. And I think just going off from that, I would tell my past self to, you know, acknowledge that you are capable. I think I used to grow up feeling very average and Mm. I would just get through life and nothing really special would happen and that, you know, I just keep your head down and harmonize. I'm very much about, you know, keeping everyone happy. And I realized that often that was at my expense. Mm. And I have very distinct memories where I would stay silent in order to keep the other people comfortable, even if they were doing something that was harmful. Mm. Because yeah, Mm. I did it to myself because I didn't want to make anyone feel upset or sad, even if they were doing it to me. And I think that's something that I want to pass on to my daughter is if you feel something is wrong, Mm -hmm. it's wrong and you should trust it. So, yeah, I tell my past self to trust myself a lot more because Mm. I never I never did. And it really came at a cost, you know, Mm. and I always look back and, you know, you always get those moments where you're like, I wish I'd said that. Uh, I wish I'd come back with that really like great one liner. And Mm. I never did. And yeah, yeah, now now I feel like ready, you know, I will say it straight away. Yes, I know that's right. Yes, totally. Oh, I really resonate with that as well, with like feeling very average because I wasn't like in any like gifted or talented classes. <laughs> I like, you know, you like there's some people that just really excel in something. And I never, I was just like, Viv is a good student and that's it. <laughs> like that's literally like all my report cards. It would just say that, it's just so average. Didn't, I got like a few A's, a few B's, a few C's kind of thing. Like, um, and I just thought my life would be that same, the same trajectory of just like, uh, get through it <laughs> but actually having that agency to be like no I can create this life into whatever I want and I can be part of something um is the most empowering thing mm. I think isn't it mm. so grateful for yeah you both. yeah yeah I think with BT yeah it's that I feel like anyone anyone can do it I often mm. you know I don't know if you ever get messages like oh it's awesome what you do but I'm like yeah but you yeah. you could do it too we yeah. can all do it you know we rely on people speaking up and taking part so yeah I, yeah I although it's it's not the feeling of being special in any way it's just using your voice really yeah. just mm-hmm. speaking up mm-hmm. you can do it too <laughs> <laughs> it's true it's true the last thing like it we we are like you know we are we are day-to-day average people like um, yeah. there's nothing special about us that sets us apart from anyone else you know and i think that's really really important to remember that like we haven't we have learned as we've gone along and we still are now that we didn't have mm. a set plan we still kind of don't i feel like you know our, mm. our weekly weekly meetings are like so what should we do this week then (laughs) um so yeah i think that's a really important reminder to anyone who's thinking about like getting involved in a grassroots movement a community organization whatever it might be like you don't have to have a qualification or background in it before like for canal i worked in marketing my whole life like completely removed from any form of like 
organization type of work community work at all um but yet we have all said like we all complement each other's skill sets um we we have the creative department <laughs> which is <laughs> largely amy and carly we've got the, the long form writers of the team uh, the organized members of the team which is certainly not myself like izzy and charlie and Mayan of fucking organizational queens um and then i kind of float <laughs> somewhere <laughs> i'm a floater you can't really place me there's no department i'm not quite social media because i've kind of like denounced myself of that title just kind of like you know no we're all the glue we're all the glue especially you like um you know we need a rallying person and i think you're, you're someone who you know it, you keep us going and yeah you do offer so much you've written the mahjong article and... <laughs> you can't give me that i can't just one article no <laughs> everyone's written so much <laughs> you can't give me that please <laughs> i reached because out to my aunt and then i and then and then charlie and i had been following each other because of the podcast and she met me at a work thing we met at a work thing years ago like last year or the year before last and then and then with yourselves i think we were connected on instagram somehow through i I think i messaged you you messaged me to get images so that i could write to david (gasps) whitfield david (laughs) whitfield yeah 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 I actually found your podcast. Oh, sorry. No, I was just saying I listened to the um, Rice to Meet You podcast. And that's how I found out of this. Because what happened was when the pandemic started, I was feeling very isolated and obviously feeling the anxiety of being a moving target due to Mm. the reporting of media. And it was making me feel very anxious and isolated and alone because I didn't have uh, a great deal of people to talk about it with. And so I, st- I started listening to, I uh, started looking for EC podcasts and I found Rice to Meet You. And then I followed everyone who was a guest. So one of whom was Viv. So that's how I came across the petition. Mm, oh, yeah. I, watched, I think I, I wasn't a guest on theirs, I don't think. They were a guest of mine. Oh, maybe then. Or was it the other way around? Okay, then. I can't remember. Yeah, I don't think I've been, I've not been privileged enough to be asked. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah it's not happened but they they came on mine and it's like one of the best performing podcasts obviously because because of um uncle roger fame what are you going to say izzy i was gonna say i found your podcast because i after black lives matter sort of erupted i was actually looking for ec podcasts that specifically addressed anti-blackness and yours was one of them and then i thought oh that's really cool and i think i followed you and i thought Oh, she looks so cool and then <laughs> and then and then like yeah and then we got talking and i go i guess i realized that like, you're quite down to earth yeah and then you realize shit she's not cool no you're still cool you're still cool <laughs> no she is like the dorkiest person but that's cool as well yeah no no you, yeah. you're right um and I, I guess we'll round this off then with what do you both hope to achieve in in the next year 2021 what do you hope to see happen i hope that we can pave the way for more conversations to be had i think it's really brilliant just from what izzy said about how the fact that you were looking for podcasts that was addressing 
um, Black Lives Matter and mm-hmm. um, that movement is that it's really great that we were able to connect that way. But then I would like people to be able to come to be seen and be able to talk about um, the very separate and unique issues that we also face and being to be comfortable talking about that too, um, because we know that it's very varied and they're very important too. So I want to be able to normalize those conversations and people to feel like they can turn to be seen, not just with joy, because that's what we um, care about a lot as well is um, propagating that kind of feeling of joy and happiness among our community but also reach out you know and have our presence known because there's so many amazing people in this community incredible inspiring people and I love seeing all of the accounts and platforms popping up around us Uh, that's so validating so great people taking initiative and you know using that to speak when previously maybe they were like me and didn't feel like they could so yeah that's what I hope for the year is to carry on really and Mm -hmm. have more of these conversations lovely what about yourself Izzy um yeah similar I hope that the British EC community can grow and um as we sort of touched on before like hopefully people can feel empowered to speak up more um, and yeah I guess feel that they can do it rather than just rely on organizations to do it yeah. I want to learn more gen gen z terms as well I know I, I've got this down cuca cuca is one of them you heard of that one yeah Charlie told us this one it's like a laughing emoji yeah. like kick kick Kekwa. Kek, oh, Kekwa. Kek W, yeah. Kek W. Have you heard yeah. of that before then, Izzy? Bef- no, I just from... saw it from the chat. Oh, okay. It's like a Twitch thing. <laughs> Fucking hell, no, I don't have this down. The fact that we need to discuss these things is really so proud. Yeah, Charlie was taking the piss out of me because I said 2K21 and she went, that is such a millennial thing to say. I was like, but how is it millennial? I'm just addressing the year in that, in that way, 2K21. Is that no <laughs> no i've never even heard of that i've never heard of that no. what 2k like 2k something no. something i've heard of 2K. you're definitely more on the pass than me i i really have no idea <laughs> i've got no hope you we need to we need to use more skull emojis instead of laughing emojis yeah. or lul yeah. <laughs> as we do <laughs> <laughs> um and i think that's all i want to achieve this year yeah i agree i think i just want to be a gen z as i'm approaching 30 years old that goal that that dream is becoming far out of reach (laughs) you still got it you still got it thank you i appreciate that (laughs) i've always been uh advocate of like positive representation when in the face of racism so like fighting racism with joy and I guess like your own celebration of who you are um I guess echoing what Amy said so hopefully the community in Britain can carry on doing that um yeah yay that's the thing like we we don't really try we try to keep our whatsapp groups and sometimes we obviously talk about like really hard stuff personal stuff as well we share a lot but also we just have a laugh as well i think which so i think we've cultivated a culture in this whatsapp group of just so so like so many in jokes which must be so annoying for like the listeners to to hear um but like just being able to talk about stuff 
and celebrate and um, laugh at things um, has been my saving grace this year. Uh, and, and just us all on this journey together and really understanding each other within that and, and knowing the context of each other's situations. It's, yeah, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> you know how I see our WhatsApp group? To me, it's like a sixth form common room. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I can come in, I can see my mates, yeah. sit down, we'll make a bit of toast, a bit of tea, <laughs> and have a chat. Yeah. And we could talk about homework, we could talk about our lessons, mm. which is sort of be seen, mm-hmm. but we can also natter about like, oh, what happened last night at the club? I mean, I know we're not going to a club, <laughs> club, but we still chat about at the our racism club. Life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I feel like it's somewhere I can go and I can like download it could be something hard sometimes we talk about really personal things that Mm -hmm. have affected us a lot Mm -hmm. and it's so good to feel validated and heard and other times we're chatting about uh so when are we doing this with BC (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah we've not done our homework for that week (laughs) that we set ourselves (laughs) gonna tell us off (laughs) And then sometimes we talk about vegetable stock. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For example. Yeah, it is lovely. Even how to live our lives. Like, you know, the, mm. some things that I just haven't done, like making vegetables. I'm like, Ooh. I just don't think I'm ever going to do that. Because I know my, my aunt is like, she's on it with like sustainable like stuff, like making vegetable stock out of scraps of vegetables. Like, I just, I would love to be that person, but I just don't think I ever will be. Mm. Has she got that time turner thing from Harry Potter? I'm yeah. like, how, how do you have time? I literally turned back time and doing this. <laughs> that time turner. I don't believe it. She can achieve the impossible. I don't know how she can do it. No, me yeah. neither. She's an extremely organised person. I'm, yeah. Hopefully, this oh, that's what I want to achieve actually this year <laughs> is is become genuinely organised. Like I'm not that bad. I think I'm quite scatty, but I have to like write stuff down in my diary all the time because I just forget shit and like yeah really trying really hard to do that more i feel like i've gone out the other side you know my email messages i've got like over sixty i'm like that it's so much that i can't i'm not even yeah i'm like oblivious to it cba ignore it it's not happening yeah what about you are you like that are you a sixty thousand email unread type of person (laughs) I think the problem is I also have like multiple email addresses. So one I've had since <laughs> I was a teenager, which I probably have like tens of thousands mm. of emails. What's so, the name? Tell us the name. In a, in oh, a private, without, without displaying the email address. <laughs> Wait, oh, the name of that, what? The, the oh, email. email. Is it the band? The the. No, well, that one is, yeah. Okay, so I can say it. McFly Rock, because I went through <laughs> a McFly phase. <laughs> McFly one, Rock! Yeah, I was yeah. so And then, but the one before that was like, I had a panda like I had the word panda in there as well because my yeah panda <laughs> and then like a number is like underscore panda underscore <laughs> with a number <laughs> kiss kiss yeah. <laughs> mine was like vi- mine was like viv the div uh, oh god I hated that and only last year I changed that cert- like that username on my Instagram and then I also had like viv 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 05 at hotmail.co.uk like it's so annoying writing that on forms like repeating my name again and again it's funny how it goes through phases it's like i my um old one was a hotmail one go hotmail, go hotmail. um with geek rock so similar to yours 
I was really into my emo growing up. So I was all geek rock. And then when you start having to start work and mm. putting it on your CV, it's like, okay, Amy Fung. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Amy Fung. And my cousin's is still her email address, her Hotmail email address, which is like, it's something like XO Sugar Sweet XO. And she writes it on forms and stuff. <laughs> totally calling her out there (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny did you guys ever use msn oh yeah Yeah, used to i fucking loved msn back in the day going on online and offline to see whether like the person that you would speak to would like engage with you and see that you were online do you ever used to do that yeah like bing bing yeah bing or like talking to people friends offline because you didn't want to be online (laughs) did you ever used to do that as well no, what was that? How did you talk to them offline? Like you, you'd set your status as offline, but you'd still be online. Uh, and then so people, you could only chat to like certain friends and stuff. <laughs> and then like we used to be on, like remember like just being on webcam to each other, but not being able to hear each other. And you just <laughs> no, type. I've never had that. Like you'd be on webcam, but you'd have no audio device attached. And so you just chat whilst on webcam. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> How weird is that thinking about that now? Like so old school. It is so old school. I loved it. Maybe we should go back to that. I'd love to. It's not the same because you get Gmail chat, but it's not the same. Mm, mm. No, I don't use that. I don't use that. Yeah, no. I wonder whether right. whether MSN have the apps like an app version. <laughs> like they I should do. Do you think they still have? Do you think they're still still around? MSN, MSN Messenger. That are they not Outlook now? Oh yeah. I don't know. Windows. We need to ask a Gen Zer. Yeah, we need to ask a Gen Z. No, they won't know. They're not gonna know because they're like no. so young. They're gonna be like, what? Apparently, also Bebo is making a comeback. Oh wow! I remember Bebo. Do you remember you could write on people? I mean, draw on people's walls. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. You could do that on Facebook back in the day as well. My sixth form students even said to me, "Miss, people don't really use Facebook anymore." <laughs> Miss, stop using oh. Facebook. It's not cool. Yeah, yeah. Every... Even, they even said WhatsApp Messenger. We don't really use it. We use Snapchat. I know. I find that so odd that they use. I know it's not odd, but like the messages disappear, don't they, on Snapchat? Yeah. So it's like, how yeah. can you look yeah. back on messages? And my cousins, my my sixteen year old cousins and younger, they don't use WhatsApp either. And I'm like, but how do you speak? And they get their news source from Snapchat as well. That's where they find out a lot about their news. Mm. It's odd. But when I um I posted on Instagram the other day, this man asked me for my snapchat he's like oh i don't really use this t- tinder <laughs> do you want to add me on snapchat and sent me like this snapchat card thing and i was like i don't have it i've not used it since i was like really young like what the he- what do you want me to do with this information i will never check your messages on snapchat <laughs> that reminds me of when i was uh, living in switzerland and uh we were sat somewhere and we could see like obviously school was out and there were a bunch of teenagers gathering around and it was so interesting to watch i don't know if you guys ever do this but it's so fun watching interactions between teenagers because you know they're all giggly and mm. they're like yeah. it really takes you back and then like some girls are running over to the boys and some boys were trying to show off to the girls mm. and they were like what's your snap what's your snap <laughs> and i was like what are they talking about and then i realized that like, oh that's like the modern equivalent of like asking for your number yeah I must sound so old now, but it really blew my mind. <laughs> I do, I do love that, that culture. That I do love that culture. You know, like people, people do shame it. And like, oh, kids are just on their phone all the time. So it's like, no, but that's how they communicate with each other. Like, there's still, there's still 
there's still a lot of like emotional resonance going on. There's still a lot of connectivity going on. It's just in a very, very different way to how like, I guess we grew up when we were younger and like the generations beforehand grew up when we were younger, but actually like they're still human and it's still valid the way that they communicate just because it's different. When did you guys get mobile phones? Um, I was in year eight, I think. Year eight. So I would have been 11 or 12. What about yeah, you? How about you? Seven. I think year seven, but yeah. it was always like a really brick phone type phone. Mm. Until until my fourth year of uni, I never had a smartphone. Fourth year of uni? Yeah. Actually, shit, yeah, no, my, no, actually, that's right for me. I, I didn't get my first smartphone until I was in like first year of uni, I think. Mm. Oh my God, that is so wild <laughs> to even think about. Yeah. What about you, Amy? <laughs> Uh, so my first phone was a Virgin Mobile um, mm. from a shop called Our Price, if anyone remembers that. No, okay. Our Price. And, um, yeah, it was a massive brick. Um, <laughs> and I got it in year eight, so I must have been 13. Do you remember um, having to sit by the phone and mem- you memorise your friends' phone numbers as well? Like yeah. I used to know my friends' numbers to be able to call them. Mm. And now I wouldn't be able to tell you anyone's numbers. No. Do you even know yeah, your partner's yeah, yeah. numbers? No, no. I would be screwed if I lost my phone. I mean, I don't have a partner, so I'll be screwed anyway. But then, like, <laughs> but I, I know my mum's mobile, and that's it. I think we're going to round it up here. Is there anything else you'd like to sign off with? Your parting words? Anything else you'd like to say? Uh, love you all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lovely and simple, warming message. What about you, Izzy? Um. I guess I hope everyone feels empowered um, to have um, a better 2021, hopefully, than mm. 2020. Yeah. That's a, that's a lovely message. You can do it too, is my message to you everyone. You can do it too. Take off your sunglasses. <laughs> do you know where you got that from, actually? Well, that you can, you can do it too with can do. What is that? Yeah. Why is that? In, what is that? Who's, who's can do? Isn't, oh, yeah. Is it a frog? I've got it's an advert. It's an advert of something. (laughs) Anyway, well, thank you very much, both of you, (laughs) for coming on the podcast. It was great fun. It was great fun. Thanks.